Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the third episode of the Wizards Apprentice podcast. I'm your host, Seth, and welcome. I look forward to what we have in store today. We got a lot to talk about, so let's go ahead and dive on in. Question of the day is, how should me and my table compose our party for our D&D campaign? But first, I want to kind of dive into what you're listening to. The Wizards Apprentice podcast is designed for players and DMs alike to get short, informational, and purposeful talks that help make D&D more enjoyable and smooth. With talks from world building, character creation, practical guides on monsters, and much more, we are dedicated to improving your game. So again, the question of the day is how should me and my table compose our party for our D&D campaign? With 12 classes in the player's handbook, uh, another one in uh, Eberron, the Artificer, and another one that's been approved by Wizards of the Coast, the Blood Hunter, made by Matthew Mercer, there are a lot of classes to choose from and a lot of variety. So with four characters, and if each only pick one class, you're looking at 24,024 combinations of party. And it only goes up the more characters that you have in the party. With five, it is 240,240 uh, different combinations and with six players you are looking at two million one hundred and sixty two thousand and one hundred and sixty different combinations for your team so you can do a lot with the D classes and the different party compositions that you can make the goal of today is that we'll be breaking down um, different roles that each class fulfills and the best way to organize your team not only for success in combat but out of it as well that way you're not stepping on each other's toes and that you guys are enjoying a nice chemistry between your team members and your characters let's go ahead and let's dive on in so we're going to lay out a couple of ground rules for how we're going to be organizing uh the rest of this podcast episode um so one is that there are going to be no doubling up on the same class. That means no no having two clerics in your party. That would be ridiculously busted. No having two paladins, two rogues, nothing. Uh, that does that creates two problems. One, uh, if you guys you guys could really unbalance a game. Um, I have been in a party where we've had two paladins, and uh, it was it was so hard to balance. It was so hard to balance um, encounters because they were just. It was ridiculous. And another thing is that you'll step on each other's toes whenever someone says, I need a lock picked, and there's two rogues. Both rogues are going to say, oh, I can do it. Um, and, and, and that leaves a little room for like for hoping for a different situation, different outcome, because having two people have the exact same skill set can be really, really frustrating whenever you want to be in the spotlight for something that you're good at. Another thing is that the party must get approval from their DM about homebrew classes, subclasses, or extra content. That means blood hunters, artificers, um, finding unearthed arcana for their subclasses, um, or even just saying, hey, DM, is this the kind of class that would make sense in this campaign setting? That is the third um, rule that we're going by, is that the type of campaign the DM is running must be supported by our choices. So, for example, if if we want to play an artificer, and this is taking place in ancient Egypt, where where that type of character wouldn't make sense... We should respect our DM's wishes for this campaign and say, okay, I I won't play an artificer this time or work with them to help you make it happen. 
say, hey, DM, I really want to play an artificer. Is there any way I could fit this in? Is there some ancient technology? Or could I flavor it a different way and say, maybe I am a, I worship Ra and this is just stuff that he's given me and cool stuff like that. So with those rules out of the way, no doubling up, things must be approved by your DM and they must respect the DM's campaign setting. Let's break down the 14 classes. And what we're going to do is we're going to assign each of them a role or multiple roles, one of four roles. Uh, the reason for that is that we want to try and, uh, I, I say generalize, we want to try and figure out what each class is good at at a glance so that whenever our team is setting up, whenever your table is setting up their party composition, you guys can look at them and say, okay, well, we already have these roles filled. What do we not have filled? Is there something I can fit in and something that I want to play that's going to fill that role? So the four roles I'm going to talk about is one is tank. Um, their goal is to deny and soak up damage to keep the party up. And normally a tank controls the pace of combat for your team. If the tank runs in, most of the time, everyone else is going to run. If the tank is being more reserved, the party's going to stay more reserved because they don't really want to be out in front of the tank because the tank is the thing that is going to be soaking up more of the damage. The next is the bruiser. Uh, their goal is to deal high damage uh, in either bursts or damage over time and either to single targets to knock them down sequentially or to multiple targets. So a bruiser, their goal is that to deal damage and to deal lots of it and in a myriad of different ways. Um, we'll get into what each of these, uh, what each of the classes hold for how they deal damage and stuff like that. The next is going to be support. Their goal is to heal the party, buff the party, and debuff enemies. Their goal is to make it easier for the other team members to do their job, the other party members to do their job. That does not mean that a class that normally is generalized as a support class can only do that. Don't ever tell the cleric, "Hey, man, you got to heal us better." Because the cleric can do a lot of damage and can do a lot of cool stuff. And so by generalizing it too much, you don't want to say the support can't help in other areas. A lot of times people are kind of turned off on the idea of playing a support because they think, oh, I'm just going to sit in the corner and cast healing spells. That's no fun. But that's not true. Uh, that is not everything a support does. A support can use spells like Bane, like Blindness and Deafness. Um, spells like Spirit Guardians uh, for clerics, those are all spells that while they do, uh, they're not necessarily dealing incredibly high damage, Spirit Guardians actually dealing great damage, but all of them have a debuff on enemies that's actually going to slow them down and stop them from doing the things they want to do. And I, um, I also think that support, um, you can really also argue that a support is going to do a lot of damage because what better way to stop damage from happening than preventing someone from dealing damage because they're unconscious, because that character, that, that enemy can't fight anymore because they're knocked out cold. So a cleric with a sledgehammer, dude, best healer of all time, I'll tell you what. And then the last um, type of role that we're going to break down is the utility. Um, a utility deals with problems outside of combat and has adaptive tools. Um, main word is adaptive, that they're able to change on the fly or during a long rest or something that's going to help them solve problems. And also that includes things like crowd control, that includes other utility spells like sleep um, or things that normally that are more, I'm just going to argue, creative ways to solve problems that don't always include hitting it or dealing a ton of damage to it. Now, we have 14 classes. Uh, I'm going to do them in alphabetical order. I'm going to walk you through a couple of them and we're going to see how we can break down these classes into these four roles. Number one, the artificer. 
or artificer or however you want to call it the guy with the magic engineering and magic items really really cool class depending on the subclass they might have an incredibly high ac they might do quite a bit of damage but i'm putting them in the role of utility and the role of tank they can change out their spells pretty often. They have an incredible, incredible amount of utility whenever it comes to their magic items that they can create. And um, depending on the subclass, you can have quite a bit of um, defensive abilities and options, not including the magic items you can buff yourself with, but also you have decent HP with your D8. You have medium armor and shields at least, if not heavy armor with the armorer. Um, you also have, like with the armor, you can buff that up in a ridiculous amount so a artificer can absolutely toe-to-toe -to -toe on the front line with a with a fighter for a little bit and just kind of hang out there with them so there's a great great class to start off this list so tank and utility for the artificer next up is the barbarian this is going to come to no surprise the barbarian is a tank it has the highest HP dice, they use a D12 for their HP, which means that they're going to have the most HP on average of every single party that they're in. And they're going to have a decent constitution modifier. They're also going to have rage, which effectively doubles the HP that they can, like, the, doubles the damage that they can take when they're taking regular types of damage, bludgeoning, piercing, and slashing damage. So absolutely ridiculous amounts of um, HP while they don't necessarily have a lot of AC while they don't necessarily have a ton of crowd control the way that they tank is by soaking up damage versus preventing it they don't mind taking the damage because they have so much HP that they can go through um, and they have a decent bit of damage as well that they can dish out uh, between reckless attack multi-attack brutal critical at higher levels um, having a barbarian uh, on your team is never a bad option if you need damage to be soaked up and you need damage to be done. Next up is the Bard. The Bard I'm labeling as a utility and a support um, role. So they have a lot of support spells and abilities. Bardic Inspiration is is such a good ability. Um, being able to being able to give that to somebody and they can use it however they want gives a lot of um a lot of adaptability with it do i want to save it for my party members or to give one out to everybody at the beginning of combat and they can just use it however they want um bards are super good with that they also have good healing spells things like healing word which is a bonus action spell so once you run out of your um once you run out of your bardic inspiration i'm handing out healing spells all day long not only that but they have a good amount of utility um, they have charm person. They have spells that can uh, help and assist a team in role play issues. Um, trying to barter, trying to tell the guards you weren't there, being able to disguise yourself, go invisible. There's a lot of stuff a bard can do. Bards usually get a bad rep, but if you play a bard correctly, they can be pivotal in helping your team. Next up is the blood hunter. I'm actually labeling the blood hunter under support and bruiser. So, Support, and the reason for that is that their curses, their blood curses, ha can have a very, very powerful impact on enemies and can debuff um, single target enemies very, very well. And they can buff their own damage at the sacrifice of taking some damage themselves. Um, they can take away their HP and then deal out more damage. Um, it is a consistent amount of damage. So they're more of a, hey, I'm going to chip you down and whittle you down over time. A great great uh class next up is cleric cleric is my favorite class um you may be wondering seth why is the cleric your favorite class because they can be any of these four depending on the subclass clerics have 
one of the largest pools of subclasses to choose from uh, just because there's so many gods that uh, you can choose from in your D&D game. So let's uh, let's <laughs> let's talk about this. So they have the greatest healing spells in the game. No question about that. They have cure wounds, healing word, mass healing word, mass cure wounds, heal, um, mass heal. Like there is there's incredible amounts of healing output you can do regardless of the subclass. So regardless of what subclass you are, you are going to be a support. Then depending on the subclass you choose, you can do a lot of the following. So uh, some subclasses like the Tempest Domain and the War Domain have access to more combative spells. And they give access to heavy armor and martial weapons. So now, not only are you in a support, but you're also a bruiser. You can get in the thick of it. You can deal good amounts of damage. And you have great spells that can help you support your team members and yourself. You can buff up yourself and be an absolute superstar. There are classes like the Life Cleric, which don't get access to martial weapons or a lot of combative spells. But they get access to even better healing. Like, ridiculously good healing. And they also get access to um, heavy armor. So they're also able to kind of punch up with the big boys, the barbarians and the fighters up at the front. They can also be a tank or um, classes like the knowledge domain, which have a great way to kind of uh, deal with things outside of combat. So now your utility and a support clerics are so diverse in the type that you can play. And there's so many subclasses to choose from. We will eventually do an episode breaking down the types of subclasses that you can choose from with the cleric. There's a lot to talk about with that. But for now, any cleric that you add to your party is going to be useful. Um, they primarily serve as a support, but you can do literally any other one with it as well. The druid um, you can do. Utility, support, or tank, depending on the subclass you choose. You have decent healing spells, and you have a great amount of utility spells. Um, so you already are starting off as a utility caster. But you also have access to things like um, Wild Shape. And if you're a Moon Druid who has Wild Shape, you can Wild Shape into even more powerful creatures that uh, that allows you to absorb more HP. Uh, and take up more damage so you can absolutely tank you also have great crowd control tools um, that can help limit the amount of movement that the enemy and your uh, that the enemy can do um, and of course you have decent healing spells and good things to help buff your team and debuff the enemies so again druid utility support and tank next up is the fighter the fighter i would mark as a bruiser and a tank so fighters are very consistent. They are like a marathon runner, the way that their class is designed and the way that they should be played. I say should be played. You play your class however you want. But I've noticed a lot of success comes whenever you play it like you're running a marathon. So you're using your ability sparingly. You're using them whenever they're going to be most impactful, not just off the, off the rip. Um, you get all of your abilities back on a short rest, which means that if your team is playing the long game throughout a day, you are going to be up and good to go after a long, after a short rest, after one hour, you're ready to roll. You got your second wind back, you get more healing, you got your action surge back, and you get uh, a lot of abilities specific to subclasses also come back online. Not only that, you have access to fighting style, heavy weapons, martial weapons, uh, heavy armor, martial weapons, shields, um, and you can really kind of fit into any type of high damage dealing uh, thing. You want to be an archer? Done. You want to be a swordsman? Done. You want to be a crusher with a shield and a, a mace? Absolutely. 
Or you just sit in there with a big shield and, and a spear and you just kind of poke and you just kind of absorb up damage. Um, Echo Knight, you have that, uh, you have the ability to deal tons of damage with an Echo Knight. So again, depending on the subclass and the way that you play them, you can either be a tank or a bruiser for your party. Next up is the monk. The monk are very fast, very nimble, hit and run tactics. Here I'm seeing a, I'm seeing a hybrid between a bruiser. So of course they're they're able to kind of go in and deal damage and these lightning fast attacks, dealing several attacks in a turn and then disappearing and moving up to a new location, hitting a new target or continuing to hit the target from different areas. Um, I'm also seeing a little bit of utility. Um, they have things like stunning strike um, that allows them to kind of hinder foes. Um, and they also have abilities that they can use on the fly, like dashing as a bonus action, disengaging as a bonus action, so long as they have the key points to keep it up. Monks are like sprinters, uh, but they get all their energy back, and they get all their key points back on a short rest, and so they really they really can do a marathon, or they can sprint. They can do whatever you want. You can either blow up all your key points at the beginning and just become an absolute monster and a menace for the first four turns of combat, and then you kind of play lightly, or you can spread it out and stay consistent until your next short rest. Then you got to back up again. You keep on going. So a monk, I argue, would be a support bruiser or a utility bruiser, depending on how you want to play your monk. Paladin. Paladin are my second favorite class. I have a soft spot in my heart for paladins. And you might be asking, Seth, why do you have a soft spot in your heart for paladins? Uh, Divine Smite is awesome, and I love it. Um, Paladins, I would put into the tank and bruiser category. They have insane burst damage potential, high AC, lots of HP. They're able to tank with the big boys. Um, Paladins can make a great tank and frontline um, brawler um, that can do high burst damage and has. They also have decent support as well with lay on hands and some uh, with some like a condition cleansing abilities, but I would not label them that because of how much greater their other abilities are. That just kind of comes as the cherry on top for them though, um, that they can do those awesome healing abilities and condition clearing abilities as well. So Paladin, Tank, Bruiser, Ranger, Utility, Bruiser. Rangers have a lot of great things for traveling, for stealth, um, not only for them, but for their party. Great, um, Great abilities against specific targets and, and in specific locations. A lot of utility. Um, and they deal decent damage. Um, they have multi-attack and some of their abilities in different subclasses can lend themselves to a more uh, high damage dealing uh, way of going about it. You don't have to use a bow when you use a ranger. Um, but man, are they good at it. If they have their bow, they're, they're doing okay. <laughs> Next up is the rogue. I would also argue the rogue is utility and a bruiser as well. Um, the reason being is that rogues, they have a lot of um, their other highest stat normally when it comes to their character. It comes from dexterity. And then right after is uh, intelligence. And so they're going to, ha- they also have the ability to pick a lot more different um, proficiencies. And normally that comes with investigation, perception, insight, deception, stuff like that. That's going to help. Um, rogues and the party out as a whole with solving problems that aren't necessarily combat so rogues are going to be great at that and beyond that they have high damage potential with sneak attack um and again depending on the subclass they also gain an other additional benefits um that can help their party chug along outside of combat as well 
the sorcerer. I would label the sorcerer as a bruiser. Just just that they're they're very they're rather fragile. Um, even the tankiest subclass of it of them, the um, draconic bloodline sorcerer. They get extra HP. They have an extra armor class, which definitely helps out a ton. Um, but I still would not put them as any other role other than bruiser because they do that very well. They can definitely, definitely sink and nuzzle into the into the high damage um, supernova esque character build whenever they use their sorcery points and their meta magic to really change up how they're using their abilities with that being said as i'm kind of saying that they also do have a little bit of utility and that that is that they can change how their spells operate but they don't have enough adaptability they can't change your spells that very often and um they don't have enough spells to choose from but this is where a homebrew rule of the day comes in so while they can't really they can't have a ton of spells on deck um which can definitely suck for sorcerers. I feel like sorcerers get like the the short end of the stick. I would say that sorcerers and the homebrew rule of the day is this: that you allow classes like that to change out their spells on a long rest, like clerics can, like uh, like druids can, like paladins can. They can just change out what propels. Basically, what that says is that they know all the spells on their spell list and they can select a prepared amount every day. Sorcerers can have a spell a number of spells known at a time from their spell list which i think is i I just feels bad man um for them i would say homebrew rule of the day let them know all of their spells and they can change out a number of spells equal to what is set at their level for their spells known quote unquote that way that you're giving your sorcerer a little bit more utility and a little bit more um leniency at the very least let them change out one spell a long rest which is what i do for sorcerers and warlocks is i let them change out one spell a long rest uh but no more just to give them a little bit more uh utility a little bit more variety they're like hey i haven't used this spell in forever i'm gonna change it out for invisibility or something like that the warlock i would label as utility the reason being is that they can slide into any role depending on their subclass they can kind of uh the Hexblade can kind of tank a little bit. They Most of them have decent burst damage between Eldritch Blast and the other abilities that they have. Uh, but the big thing is that they are the most diverse um, because of the number of invocations that a Warlock can have. Invocations really change how you play your Warlock that give you special... They're basically just special features and traits you can select um, that can change how you use your warlock. And so I've seen some warlocks just go Eldritch Spear and uh, Agonizing Blast, and they're, they make their Eldritch Blast one of the most powerful things ever, and they just snipe from, an, from a distance, and they're just lighting people up. That works great. I've seen them also go heavily into the illusion and enchantment magic uh, and using Mask of Many Faces and invisibility spells and being able to hide in the shadow and stuff like that. So warlocks, they have utility because they can be whatever the party needs them to be. Come session zero, hey, we don't actually have anyone who can do a lot of role play. Oh, I got it. Hey, we actually don't have any range damage. Oh, I got it. Hey, we don't actually have any melee damage. Oh, I got it. Oh, okay. What do you what what, what would you play for all those? I play warlock. Warlock can do everything uh, pretty decently if you if you set your class up to be that way. The last is going to be the wizard. 
The wizard does a lot of damage. It has a lot of high damage spells. The wizard also has a lot of decent support spells that can buff their allies, uh, but especially debuff enemies. And lastly, the warlock has the greatest spell list of any other class. They can pick from the most spells, and they have a ton to work with. So, wizards, uh, I would label you as utility, support, bruiser, uh, but I would really lean into your utility and your damage potential as a wizard. Um, if you have another class like a cleric or like a um, druid on your party, don't worry about it. Set that to the side and just lean in hard on those other abilities. Yeah, I, I promise you it is very rewarding to have that spell that you've been saving up. Oh, I don't know if I'm going to use this. And then you have the right time to use it. Dude, nothing like it. So we've gone through all 14 classes and assigned them some uh, roles. Why did we assign them roles? Now, you might be wondering, the goal is that every party would have one of these boxes checked off or all these boxes checked off by at least at least in one regard. So if I have four four party members, which is the average party size, if I have four party members, how can I get a, a tank, a bruiser, a support and a utility in there? Um, and so I would have a paladin and they all have them lean into the tank role. I'll have a. A rogue, have them lean into the utility role. I'll have a ranger, have them lean into the um, bruiser role. And I'll have a cleric, they'll lean into the support role. And boom, that's a great party. You're going to have a lot of range damage, a lot of melee damage. You're going to have good support all around. And the team's going to synergize with each other based on their support and bonus abilities. Um, but all that being said is that you need to make sure that your team is designed for the type of game that the DM is running. So if you guys are doing a classic D&D adventure, you're going through dungeons, you're fighting beasts, you're traveling to unknown lands, you might want to change who is in your class. You would, might want to change what classes you're playing based on what you know about the campaign. Um, are you guys solving crimes in a evil and vile city? You might want to change your classes. Are you guys going through a gauntlet of dangerous tasks and tournaments? You might want to change your classes and who is going to be playing and who's playing what based on what you know. The goal is that everyone has a hand in, in, in a cookie jar, in a specific cookie jar that no one else is kind of stepping into. Um, of course, it, there's nothing wrong with having a druid and a cleric um, because if they both are the supports. Um, however, it will become frustrating if you have two clerics. Or if you have a cleric and a druid who do nothing but throw out healing word. And the barbarian's like, dude, I have enough healing. I just need someone to do damage with me. Can somebody help me? Um, your party is going to suffer if you guys all lean into one spot but don't have your other spots filled. Um, if you guys are, if you guys only have a tank, a bruiser, and a support, you're missing your utility, which may feel like the most unimportant, but that means that you're missing out on the creative solving problem problem solving aspect of your team and said now you might have to just brute force it because you guys are struggling on passing your passing your investigation checks if you guys have bruiser support utility you guys have good damage and good healing but you guys are going down too quick the healer can't keep up with the damage because there's no tank to act as a buffer between the damage and the rest of the party if you guys have no bruiser, you can't get enough damage, you guys will eventually go down before you can stop them. You have no support. There's nothing to keep your team afloat whenever you guys are starting to wear, to wear out. So all of the roles are very, very, very important. Um, and so I would recommend having one 
one person lean into one each. But again, what works for my table does not work for your table. If you guys have a better idea or you guys just say, that was cool. I'm going to scrap everything he just said. Go for it. Again, it's not my table. It's yours. The last thing I want to do is I want to break down a couple of recommended class uh, synergies. Um, I'm going to give you in groups of four different classes I think would work well together. Um, the first one is what I'm just calling the wild ones. This is a group of more um, nature and more chaotic-esque character concepts. So you have a druid as your support, a ranger as your damage, as your brawl, as your bruiser, a sorcerer as your bruiser, and a barbarian as your tank. I also said ranger as the bruiser. Ranger is more going to lean into utility this time, but barbarians tanking, the druid supporting, the ranger's utility, and the sorcerer is damage. The four of you guys, um, you guys have good damage, good protection. The barbarian's going to stick up front. Druid's going to buff them up. Ranger is dealing with problems on the outskirts, and the sorcerer is pumping out damage towards the big bad in the center. And overall, I think it's a highly successful team that leans into more of the wild and naturey aspects of what D&D can be. Next up, I'm calling this team the Stronghold. We have a Paladin who's going to lean into the tank role, a Cleric who's going to lean into the support role, a Fighter who's going to lean into the damage role, and a Artificer who's going to lean into the utility role. This is like a walking brick wall. Paladins and fighters have good HP, good good overall damage, uh, both of them. And you don't necessarily have to build for damage with the Paladin, which is so cool. You can build for high tanking, and then just every time you hit, say, oh, I'm going to Divine Smite, <laughs> and just tack on extra damage. So you have great burst damage. You have great consistent damage with your fighter. Your cleric can either stand in the back and just buff up their allies with Bless and with Shield of Faith, in healing word or they can buff themselves up and they could stand side by side with them and the three of them could kind of roll up front the artificer depending on the subclass can either be supporting from the back or they can jump in in the armor subclass and they can stick it with the rest of them and all four of you guys can become this basically this brick wall that is super hard to break through if you are if you guys are saying hey we're going to be fighting a lot that's a good party to set the synergize you guys you guys' team up with Next up is going to be the Inquiries. Um, this is the team that is solving problems. We have a rogue, a wizard, a barbarian, and a cleric. So the rogue and the wizard both have high intelligence. They're going to be great for solving problems and solving issues. The cleric has high wisdom. Um, and so you guys are going to have all of your bases covered for your mental stats uh, with the exclusion of charisma, but this is more of these crime-solving, these uh, these detective-esque thing. And the barbarians there as your added security to help you guys get the job done. So those four are going to be a great way to, maybe you're doing a lot of investigations. Maybe you're looking through the underbelly of a city trying to solve a crime, or um, you guys are like detectives or being hired, or maybe you're hired guns to escort somebody. That is a really, that's not only a cool story, but also this is a cool team to kind of set up your guys's, your guys's campaign. The long story short is that you want to have someone in each of those roles, support, tank, um, brawler, um, and utility, but ultimately it doesn't matter at all. <laughs> Uh, ultimately, here's here's what you do need. You need to have fun. You need to have fun if you're going to play D&D. 
If you're going to play in DD, I want you to have fun. Your DM wants you to have fun. Your fellow players want you to have fun. No one's no one's coming to D&D with you saying, dude, I hope I hope that Seth has a terrible time today. No, they're saying, I cannot wait to play D&D with him. I'm so excited. So your party, if you guys have four bards and you guys are a walking, traveling band, that's great. That's going to be so much fun. You guys are four clerics. You guys are like this confessionary. That's even cooler. That is, There are so many combinations. Again, what, two million something combinations with a party of six? You have so much you can choose from. So don't let me tell you what to choose from. But if you are looking for a way to not step up on each other's toes and a way to keep your team synergized, these are some great ways to keep your team synergized. Everyone pick a role and everyone try and fill it to the best of their ability and then think about how can I build bridges between my role and the roles around me and how can I how can I work together with this role? If I'm the support, how can I work with the bruiser? If I'm the support, how can I work with the tank? If I'm the tank, how can I guard my utility my utility player? Um, by doing that, you're going to create a team that is successful and a team that works well together. And with that out of the way, that is all that we have for today's episode of the Wizards Apprentice podcast. I hope that you enjoyed today's episode. I hope that you guys will follow us on Instagram uh, at the Wizards Apprentice podcast. Um, I look forward to hearing from you guys about your questions and comments and concerns about what we want to talk about next. Uh, we're posting episodes uh, twice a week, uh, sometimes three times a week if I'm feeling up to it like this week. Um, and stay tuned as we begin to delve into deeper and cooler things. And we will see you guys next time.